Are you a female in technology looking to reach the VP level and beyond? Join me, Lisa Kostova, and guests for honest and real tips, strategies, and conversation to accelerate and most importantly, enjoy your career climb today. Connect with us in our community at careerclimb.co and enjoy the show. Hey, it's Lisa with the Female Tech Exec. So today I want to talk about a development that is going on under the surface with this pending economic downturn um, that is looming that everybody's talking about. And we're seeing the behavior of tech companies reflect that belief. We're seeing tech companies starting to announce more conservative hiring practices or hiring freezes, as well as selective layoffs. Now, the important thing to understand is that layoffs are really, really bad optically for a company. They obviously have an economic cost for a company, but they're really damaging to the reputation, especially if they have to do them more than once. Investors, whether public investors or private investors, lose faith in such a company And it's one of the markers of a company's decline or there's trouble at the company. So even though there's an economic downturn and companies are wanting to pull back their spending, um, layoffs is one of those kind of nuclear levers, nuclear weapons that they will only use as a last resort. The reason I'm bringing that up is that I am starting to see something pop up again that I hadn't seen since the last economic downturn, which was, you know, around the financial crisis. And that is creative ways for companies that are experiencing hard times, especially drastically falling stock prices or um, trouble raising another around the financing their creative use of performance management to conceal layoffs. And I'm calling that practice aggressive performance management. So I'll give you my observation. Last year, um, you know, working with, again, at this point, close to 90 people. Last year was less less than that, um, 50 to 60 clients. Everybody, everybody was doing well in terms of people were either getting stuck in their careers or they were getting ahead. And when they were getting stuck in their careers, they managed to get themselves unstuck and uh, either find opportunities in the same company or elsewhere. Nobody was being reviewed in terms of performance reviews. People were you know, there's the conversation of whether they're going to get promoted or not, but nobody was being put on a performance improvement plan, otherwise known as PIP. Fast forward 12 months from now, some of the same people are now being pipped. And if you look at it from last year to this year, what has changed? Same people, if anything, they've improved, you know, their knowledge, their skill set has grown since then. You know, they haven't, they haven't like consciously gone back or unconsciously gone back in their skill set and capabilities. And yet 
Last year, nobody was getting pipped. This year, we have a few in our community that are experiencing either a pip or a threat of a pip at their companies. And if you look at those individuals, all of the companies where that's happening are experiencing either a horrible downturn in their stock price or are private companies that are obviously having cash flow issues and worried about being able to raise another round of financing. So kind of running out of cash runway. So I want to bring that to light for you here, because chances are, if you're part of our broader community and listening to this podcast and reading my articles on LinkedIn, you may be experiencing that. However, it's one of those phenomena that is... I don't call it like a stealth weapon of a tech company. And it works because most of the time, the people it's applied against actually have so much shame around it, around being put on a pip, that they don't share that with anybody else. And consequently, they don't realize that it's not really 100% a reflection of their performance and it's not really a performance issue a lot of the time. A lot of the time it's just a way for the company to creatively lay people off without declaring a layoff, which is important optically for the reasons I mentioned before. Of course, there could be times where your actual performance has declined for whatever reason, maybe you experienced a, um, you know, significant life challenge. Maybe your family fell apart. There was a death in the family that somehow affected your ability to concentrate at work and you really are experiencing some performance issues. But barring that, if last year around this time, you were all good to go, things were working out well, your contributions were being, you know, not being criticized. Maybe they were not being rewarded, but at least they weren't scrutinized and criticized. And now they are being criticized and scrutinized to the point of getting you on a performance improvement plan. Then you should be aware that there's a lot more going on than your performance. So let's unpack this a little bit. Again, Let's review the reasons why a company may use a PIP or may actually, I want to say, abuse the practice of a PIP in order to get rid of people. A, when they fire somebody for performance, they don't have to pay severance and they don't have to keep you on a healthcare insurance plan. That immediately right there saving is saving them a lot of cash. Normally severances are at least two to three months long, some cases as long as six months. So that right there is saving them a ton of cash if they can pull it off. The second reason, this is more on the management side than the company wide policy side. The second reason they may want to do that is that you know, the managers that are remaining at the rapidly sinking ship need, mm, they're the politically savvy survivors. And when things are going not well, 
there needs to be a story explaining why we're failing and what we're going to do about it to turn things around. And as long as there's enough people on the ship, sometimes it's very easy to kind of pick another senior person on the team and designate them as the fall person, as the person responsible for that, you know, product release that didn't work out or that decision or that mistake that happened. And then say, hey, look, I'm dealing with the problem. I identified the problem on our team. And if we switch this person around or if we get rid of them and then bring somebody else on board who is better, then, you know, that mistake will not be repeated again. And this is a plausible story. This can be a plausible story for the CEO, the executive team. It could be a plausible story for investors, especially private investors. At least it buys management some time. So right now, as we're speaking, as well as in my own past experience, I have seen both scenarios play out, both on the more junior side where a person is put on a PIP or not given an offer. I'll share an example in a second um, because they don't want to have layoffs on the books, as well as I've got experience with a more senior person, myself included, being kind of painted as the problem and being replaced with somebody else, like a new name. And eventually that person can't, you know, can't save the sinking ship either, but at least the CEO or the executive team has bought valuable time with investors, you know, for potentially raising another round of capital or buying themselves more time. Yeah. So let me start with the first example. Again, this is more likely if you're in a larger organization, somewhere in the middle of the pack or a senior person, sufficiently senior person, but not like the head of product or the VP of product. And that is um, the kind of aggressive use of PIP to control costs. I experienced that in 2008 when I, along with 49 other business school students, I was in business school at the time, we had done an internship with Google. So 50 of us from all the business schools that Google had recruited at, um, came down to the Bay Area for all of the summer of 2008, did an internship and, you know, across different divisions of the company. So September, early September, we were told that you know, our managers were going to give us a call and we were going to be told whether or not we got an offer, a full-time offer. Normally, historically, about half of the people would get offers to continue at Google. And so we were expecting a similar development. Thankfully, thankfully, we were connected. And I'll talk about the importance of not being alone and being isolated because that's what the companies are counting on, that you will feel shamed that your performance is not measuring up. Uh, you will feel embarrassed. You will disconnect yourself from others in the marketplace and people who may advise you, you know, um, differently. And you will not share your story. You will kind of suffer in silence and accept what they're offering you and feel, you know, like it was all your fault. 
So thankfully, we were not isolated as a group of interns. We were connected on the Facebook group at the time. And we started seeing in the Facebook group all these reports from people who have who had their call with their manager saying, oh my God, I'm so bummed out. I did not get an offer. And then people started piping up and saying, neither did I, neither did I. Does anybody know what's going on? And I remember I had my call with my manager at that same time. And it was very interesting. I never really had a good relationship with my dad manager. I felt that he was very detached, that he really didn't relate to me. He was kind of very dismissive throughout the whole internship, didn't really take an interest in me, but I tried to do my best job. And, you know, I remember thinking during our call that it was so quick, so brief and so disinterested. Um, And he told me that, no, I didn't measure up with performance. And so they weren't going to give me an offer. And he did it in such a detached, almost condescending way. Didn't really let me ask any clarified questions. Was very evasive, was very general, hung up very quickly. That here's what went on my mind at the time. I said, oh, wow, I must really be not that smart or talented if Google doesn't think I'm valuable enough to be part of the people that get offers. I felt crappy. I felt like I was dumb. I felt like a failure. It was my first internship in the tech space. And so I was the career switcher from the financial services industry. And so that really dinged my confidence in thinking, wow, you know, I really can make it in tech. This wasn't even product management because at the time Google had that really, you know, they've, they've since removed that requirement, but at the time they were convinced that every product manager should have a computer science degree. This was um, in Sheryl Sandberg's old unit, the business unit AdWords um, and kind of the, the general business unit at, at Google. So I felt so defeated and I felt so ashamed um, until, until somebody came into the Facebook group and shared the story that they are, uh, they were told by their Google manager, their summer manager that please don't share this. You know, we were instructed, all the managers were instructed by HR at Google to not under any circumstances reveal this to the interns, but Google had, this was the week after Lehman had collapsed. So the whole financial crisis started snowballing in September and Google had done a hiring freeze and they looked at the internship class and they said, wow, this represents all of the top business schools that we want to have relationships with. What are we going to do? And they said, well, let's just tell them all they're not getting offers. And, but that's, let's not reveal that it's a policy company policy. Let's just tell them individually that they didn't perform well enough. So they're not getting offers so that they could keep their relationship with the business schools, you know? So that manager broke the secret and told their intern because they felt really bad. They would have loved to keep that intern and hire them on full time, but they couldn't. So they kind of spilled the beans. And you can imagine the reaction among our internship group. I mean, on one hand, we were relieved that it wasn't our fault. 
um, that we were getting offers. But on the other hand, how manipulative of the company and how completely damaging to the confidence and um, the sense of, 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 of performance, of achievement of all these interns to tell them that their performance was not good enough. So they're not getting offers. But this was a company policy. This is a company policy because they were optimizing for uh, the long-term talent pipeline while cutting costs in the short term. So we were the collateral damage, and that was an acceptable cost to the company to not communicate to the market that there was a hiring freeze, uh, or in the case of some companies, to communicate to their investors or the market that, ooh, we're doing a layoff, therefore you know, we must be like suffering, we must be on a downturn tra- trajectory while cutting costs and, you know, painting it all as a performance issue. I wish, I wish there was data, companies were transparent enough, but they are not, that we could actually look at the number of pips through time and correlate them with economic downturns. Because my sense is that the, um, kind of trend in pips is going to mirror the trend in layoffs and probably be kind of like a parallel trend or even probably a, a more an earlier a leading trend right as as companies are trying to manage the number of layoffs that they have to do and paint a lot of them as performance issues as much as they can the other um, the other example that I have is more uh, from a senior person's perspective and so if you had a product or you're kind of like the, the top person in your department and your company is private and it's been having a hard time with revenues, uh, let's say it's flat or declining and they're going to be running out of cash flow out of the, you know, they have a very short cash runway. So this, the situation is very precarious. They have to instill confidence in the board of directors who are their investors so that they keep getting investment in their company. And one way is to kind of like paint a rosier picture than what the reality is, because layoffs uh, are lead indicator of of problems downstream, right? So they're going to do anything possible to A, avoid layoffs, but B, they could also be buying themselves time. The CEO or the executives could be buying themselves time with the board because they could be fired as well from their own company if, you know, they're, they're not performing. So they could be buying time with the board by painting you as the fall person. They could be painting you as the problem for a decision that may have been made together with them. But by painting you as the problem, they have a solution up their sleeve. Hey, we're going to get rid of this person. And then we're going to bring a person who, you know, either is not yet known, but we're going to build, you know, bring somebody else who's more experienced in this part of the industry or yada, yada. Or maybe they already have a candidate who's like, has the right name, um, the right confidence inspiring name on their resume. Like, let's say in my case, it was, uh, I was replaced by somebody who came from, from, uh, from Google enterprise. It's like, Oh, they're from Google. They're going to come in and write the ship. Didn't happen. The person was actually 
kind of was taken down the ship. They left short time afterwards. But at least that decision at that point, what you're being painted as the fault person, buys the executive some time on the board, which could be could make a difference. If there's something that happens, maybe an acquirer comes in to acquire the company, something else happens, there's like a Hail Mary um, client that comes in and, you know, who knows, you know, but at least they have more time to kind of hope to turn the ship around. So you become the fall person. One of those two scenarios is likely happening with a lot of the pips that are happening now. So I want to give you very, very quickly what you should do in case you're in a scenario like this. First of all, uh, how can you tell you are the risk of being pipped in both scenarios? Uh, There starts to be more of a paper trail. Your manager is starting to communicate to you, including expectations and requests via emails that are extremely detail oriented. A huge red flag is if somebody from HR is copied on them or is involved in your regular kind of communication with your manager. Your manager may get detached. They could become more brusque, more, you know, less wordy, less, less willing to explain things to you. Uh, You're being disinvited from meetings. There are meetings happening about your organization, your team, your area of ownership without you um, that involve, you know, peers and definitely like your manager or somebody else who's like above you. You're being kind of excluded from key communication. So, um, and there may be starting to be talk of like, hey, we need to talk about your performance and a plan to improve that. So any of those signs are signs that are going to likely get pipped. And if you are in a position where nothing dramatic has happened in your life to actually d- deteriorate your performance, you were fine before these external market conditions set in or whatever stress the company is experiencing set in, then I want you to, first of all, realize that it's likely not performance related that it could be a tactic by the company or your manager to either paint you as a fall person and or avoid layoffs and or save costs, right? So what can you do? Um, First of all, you can request to go and leave, leave of absence. You can say it's like mental health or whatever, whatever you want. Request to go and leave because that theoretically kind of extends the timeline that you're collecting a paycheck. And in parallel with that, you can also, depending on your relationship with your manager, you can also, like if you're more senior, you can speak more directly, like I did in my scenario. It's like, okay, let's negotiate me leaving so it doesn't look like a layoff or it doesn't look like a firing. Let's actually negotiate my departure. And as part of that, you can negotiate to have a severance package that is not counted as a severance package on the books of the company. It could be like they're keeping you on the payroll, but you're not showing up to work for X number of months. They're keeping you or they're giving you that pay, but you kind of, you know, turn in your keys and your badge beforehand. Uh, Maybe you go and leave and you're technically not working anymore, but you're still on the payroll. So There's various things to consider, but do try to get ahead of it and negotiate your severance ahead of you actually having to fight the pip when it happens, because that's going to be more, that's going to be harder and more adversarial. And you might have to throw more serious threats at the company 
that, you know, they didn't cross their T's and dot their I's. And that's going to be kind of harder to prove and it's just going to be a lot more adversarial. And whatever you do, the most important thing is please, please, please do not take it to heart. So understand that the vast majority of the factors that are driving this are not performance related. Don't take it to heart or at least don't take all of it to heart. And uh, what I want you to know is that it's so, so, so important not to isolate yourself. In fact, I have a request for you. Um, I'm thinking that enough people in our community are suffering from this, that I may put together, you know, kind of like a, a group, an experimental group, maybe a support group with uh, my own expertise as kind of the facilitator and the kind of director of that. But I really want to do something for the community that will help you work through this with the support of a group. And, you know, we'll be signing non-disclosure and confidentiality agreements. So you don't have to worry about that. But the people in that group, I really want to, I really want all of us to kind of be solving this together and maximizing our approach. How do we, how do we win, you know, in this very kind of difficult situation. So I hope you join us. And again, I'll have more information and probably a survey in the article or LinkedIn in from the podcast. Please do take it and do let me know if you'd be interested in being part of, of the support group offer whenever we put it together, if there's enough interest. Thanks again and um, stay healthy, keep climbing, and I'll talk to you next time. Enjoyed the show? Don't forget to rate, review, and forward this episode to a friend. You can also subscribe to our email list and connect with a community of like-minded professional women in tech at careerclimb.co.